Hello there, and welcome to Grim Reading, where each episode we read and review a Brothers Grimm tale. My name is Matthew Hughes, and with me on this journey is my co-host, Mr. Adam Field. This week on Grim Reading. The Fox and the Geese. So make yourself comfortable and prepare for a... Grim Reading! The fox once came to a meadow in which was a flock of fine fat geese, at which he smiled and said, I come in the nick of time. You are sitting together quite beautifully so that I can eat you up one after the other. The geese, cackled with terror, sprang up and began to wail and beg piteously for their lives. But the fox would listen to nothing and said, There is no mercy to be had. You must die. Now at length, one of the geese took heart and said, If we poor geese are to give up our vigorous young lives, show us the only possible favour and allow us one more prayer that we may not die in our sins and then we will place ourselves in a row so that you can pick yourself out the fattest. Yes, said the fox. That is a reasonable and pious request. Pray away, I will wait until you are done. So what's happening? It's all very straightforward, Adam. So there's a fox come to eat some geese. Yeah. The fox is like, I'm gonna. Eat. I'm gonna. I'm gonna eat you all up. Yeah. The geese are like, okay, okay. We're really scared, but do you mind if we just pray first? Okay. And then for our sins. And the fox is like, that's a very pious request. Sure, go knock yourself out. Right. Okay. Yeah. I thought that was something about getting the fattest one or something. The geese said, after we prayed, we'll line up in a row, and you oh, can that's pick out it. Okay. Whatever you want. Got you. Yeah. 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 yeah Sorry, yeah, I was yeah, just struggling. Yeah. yeah. No, it's all right. Then the first began a good, long prayer, forever saying, gah, gah. And as she would make no end, the second did not wait until her turn came, but also began, gah, 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 gah. <laughs> The third and fourth followed her, and soon they were all cackling together. When they have done praying, the story shall be continued further. But at present, they are still praying without stopping. The end. There's been some kind of mistake. That's not the the story. I mean, that is an A story. <laughs> no, it is, no. Well, well, indeed, it isn't a story, is it? Because it says, "When they're done praying, the story shall be continued further." <gasps> so it's part one, <laughs> in a way. Okay, but yeah. where's part two? Well, again, Adam, how very astute. So, as I'm sure you're aware, that story, the fox and the geese. Der Fuchs und die Gans, in German, is the last story in volume one yes. of the Brothers Grimm. <gasps> no, hang on. Yeah, I've said it a million times. And it has been the last story in volume one since the very first publication ever in 1812. Every single volume that followed, it's been the last story in volume one. And they made changes to other fairy tales in the collection, as we've seen, but they always kept this one the same. And that might seem a bit weird because it's a weird little story. Mm. But in a way, it kind of makes sense if you think of it as an unfinished story. In a way, it's a Brothers Grimm like mission statement. They're saying, we're not done here, guys. The story continues. And in fact, Jack Zipes wrote about this tale. The tale is purposefully chosen by the Grimms to demonstrate the endlessness of storytelling. And it also provocatively indicates how weaker animals can outsmart the strong ones. So, I think maybe you're getting excited thinking there is literally a part two to this story. In volume two. <laughs> that is not the case. That's what you set out. I was like, that's not brilliant. I look forward to it. <laughs> no, Adam, you've got to take yourself to a higher plane. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's about the endlessness of storytelling. Okay. <laughs> but, but what happens to the geese, man? Yeah. <laughs> oh, this is so disappointing. Oh, no. <laughs> no. That was meant to make it you feel relieved and happy. I guess I'm relieved. Unless, can we, are they still praying? Well, well are they, Oh, I think you can say the Brothers Grimm's still writing stories. Should we write to them? <laughs> uh, they are still praying. Yeah, the geese are still praying. Do you think we praying. can find them? Or, alternative option, okay. 
you could write an end to this story. Oh, yeah. A bit of homework for you. You could write a part two. Oh, part two. Well, okay. Mm. I didn't know what to expect. Mm. It wasn't that. (laughs) (laughs) It was not that. Presumably something not far off that. With a story title, The Fox and the Geese. You got a fox coming trying to eat some geese. I mean, yeah. 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 But then that's all that happened. Essentially. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I was expecting a bit more. Yeah. I mean, in a way that there's the implication that geese cackling or gagaring or honking is a prayer, which is quite an interesting idea, right? It's like a kind of explanatory thing, like geese doing that is a prayer. But it's also suggesting that the sound geese make is keeping the fox away, which in a way, in real life, it kind of is, right? It's like, Mm. I'm sure if a fox was savaging some geese, they'd be... uh, Honking loudly. They would be. So this story is sort of, you know, anthropomorphizing it, saying they're praying and the fox is allowing them to pray. So that's maybe something you can take away that's from cool. this. That's yeah. cool. I mean, you could kind of spin that as a, like an origin of the honk. Sure. The honk origin, which, it, you know, interestingly, they were describing it as cackling, but I, I would mm. go for honk. Go- gooses. Gooses. Geese. <laughs> Geese. <laughs> is it ge- ge- words ge- ge- use your words use your words <laughs> geese honk yep. don't they yes they don't cackle they do though adam do they geese cackle no they do oh okay in so fact quick google is going to help me here but i'm pretty sure you get an actual species of goose called the cackling goose the cackling yeah. goose you've got a cackling come goose. on if that's not another perfect pub name the Cackling Goose. Come on. Oh, we've got so many pub names in Rusty our back Pigeon. pocket. Uh, there's another one I've forgotten. The Fat Toad, maybe? Not as good. But come on, Cackling Geese. The Cackling Goose. The Cackling Goose. Love that's it. A, that's a brilliant one. So go on then. What are you going to tell me about Cackling Goose? Well, nothing. Geese? Just that Cackling Goose is a species <laughs> <Nothing>. of goose. <laughs> I haven't, haven't done endless goose research for oh, this episode, I'm afraid. I know. What a shame. Priorities, Matt. Priorities. <laughs> I uh, thought you'd find there's some brand of uh, socks called the <laughs> Cackling Goose Company, you get in touch. And I've got a, a lifetime supply <laughs> of Cackling Goose socks. Yeah. <laughs> what a shame. Alas, no. But they do cackle. They also honk. Well, is that a goose noise? I don't know. I mean, is this embarrassing? I did listen to geese noises to try and prepare for the <laughs> no that's sensible it's that is sensible dunk, though doesn't it oh, it's really tricky characterization there of the geese oh. hmm so on to the scores then. no I'm joking, I'm joking. <laughs> if only Adam. if only you're gonna wish that by the end of this episode <laughs> you won't believe what I've squeezed out of wow. this story oh dear where can we possibly go from there right so, the gist of the story is they're stalling the fox. Yeah. But, like, indefinitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, it's a pretty good plan. Because, I guess, in a way, you could... Because there's so many of them, right? There's a big gaggle of geese, right? Yeah. So, it's kind of genius mm. using their numbers against the solitary predator mm. in that way. That's, That's quite interesting clever. as well. Yeah. Yeah. I guess the the point of it though is not literally geese outsmarting I a know, fox. But but I'm a simple guy with simple <laughs> ideas. I want it to make sense, Matt. <laughs> Why doesn't it make sense? What is it about? <laughs> What's it all about? Though? It's about the endlessness of storytelling, Adam. I keep telling you this. Yeah, but the, the thing is, the endlessness of storytelling. What does the that mean? Story goes on and on and on. But does it though? Because I thought a good story had a beginning, a middle, and an end. <laughs> Well, I guess that, you know, it's in a more specific sense, it's sort of saying, yeah, that the fairy tale collection is unfinished. Sure. And it, I, I believe the yeah. Grimms weren't afraid to, like, place significance on where stories are placed within the collection. I believe the very last story of volume two is there for a specific reason. So this one is certainly here at the end of volume one, because there are two volumes to the Brothers Grimm fairy tales, I'm yes. sure we've said. Um, 
this one is here specifically for that reason. It's not finished. So it's, it's saying... A, it's a to be continued at the end of volume one. Saying Kindun Hasmark and the Grimm's Fairy Tales isn't finished yet. That's why it's there. It's like uh, at the end of a Bond film. James Bond will return. <laughs> it's like that, basically. Way to keep it highbrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, I'm a man of the people. You can't stop me. <laughs> I've always said it. Man of the people. Man of the people. Give the people what they want. <laughs> they want Bond. They want Bond. And they want an end to the goose. <laughs> they Sorry. want to know what happened to the geese. <laughs> Come on. Oh. What happened to the geese? Well, I think, you know, it's all very poetic. But um, one thing that is interesting, perhaps, is that in this story, we can probably say that Rained has been defeated Ooh. by the geese. It's an unusual state of affairs. Hmm. The fox normally gets his way, right? He does. I guess, has he always got his way? I guess have we ever Ooh. seen him lose? I don't think we have. Ah, interesting. Apart from... Mm. The grand finale of the Fox Quadrilogy, where he's outsmarted by yes, that's a good point. his nemesis, I guess, the cat. That is a good point, yeah. But I think that's the only time we've seen that. I think yeah. So. yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, we have seen it with the cat. <laughs> that's the whole point of that story. Uh, well, we're going to see it a little more tonight, Adam. Oh, yeah. yeah. So that was a short little story. So I thought, why not share a few more? I've got, Adam, two more short foxy stories where things don't turn up roses for Raynard. Matt, this is actual music to my ears. And not only that, afterwards, we've got some very important foxy news that I need to share with you. Okay. But first, Adam, there's even more. I told you I'm squeezing (laughs) quite a lot into this episode. Okay. I thought this was an excellent time to reintroduce Raynard the Fox. Okay, good thinking. We haven't really seen him for a while. Uh, Some people might not know what we're going on about if we talk about Raynard. We're also both wearing orange tops, by the way. I don't know if you've noticed. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That's weird. I did mine on purpose, but this is just a very happy accident with you. Yeah. Love it. It's very, whatever the word for fox is, foxine. Foxy? Foxy. Foxy. (laughs) Volpine? Foxy. So... As you kind of mentioned, the fox in our stories, we've seen him in the Fox Quadrilogy. Yeah. Uh, which started with Grim Reading episode 18, can you believe? It's going back some. Yeah. And in it, we kind of introduced the idea of Raynard. But on re-listening to episode 18, turns out I didn't really have a clue what I was talking about. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so, no, Matt. So I thought, yeah, I'm going to reintroduce Raynard for you. Okay. So Raynard is the... Cheeky trickster fox. Yeah. He's a character found in medieval European beast epics. A dastardly, slippery, amoral fox who uses his wiles and cunning and intelligence to get what he wants and trick and deceive others. Now, the main story of Reynard revolves around a fictional royal court that's made up of anthropomorphic animal characters. Mm -hmm. So you have King Noble the lion, Bruin the bear, Isengrim the wolf, Tibbet the cat, Chanticleer the cockerel, <gasps> and Reynard the fox is one of the characters as well as many others. And the story starts with Reynard being summoned to the court by the king lion to answer for his crimes, and the mayhem goes on from there. Right. And it's that cast of characters? Yeah. Right, okay. But not only is it a cracking good story in its own right, but as it developed over the centuries satirical and subversive elements were added. So, for example, in a German-language version from the 1180s, the story includes a character of a leopard with a plumed hat, which at the time was the emblem of Richard the Lionheart, who was around at that time. So, in the Reign of the Fox story, it's very directly referencing real people. Wow. It has an allegorical quality to it. Okay. And it kind of becomes a way of poking fun at the ruling classes in some ways. And stories with Raynard regularly found their way onto the Catholic Church's banned books list. Oh, so they're that subversive. Yeah, absolutely. 
And also because often what he does is incredibly amoral, as we've seen in the Fox Quadrilogy. Yeah. True. <laughs> True. Um, I'm actually I'm currently reading a book of Reign of the Fox right now. Mm-hmm. An updated version of the main story, which has was just published, I think, last year. Now it was going to be my summer homework. Uh, I, I don't know if you remember, but I uh, last year I read The Odyssey as my summer homework. I uh, I barely mentioned, mentioned it. it. Yeah, yeah, no. Yeah. What um, what was it again? You read? Oh, oh, it was the Odyssey. Yeah, no, I read the Odyssey. Which one was that? What like home, home is? Home is the Odyssey. Oh, this like really old, uh, thousands of year old book. Like it's actually a classic of uh, Western literature. A few thousand years old. Yeah, start to finish. Yeah, wow. read it all. Yeah, and it's, it's only it's only really really cool and smart people that can read that, right? What? Your words. My Your words. words. My words. But accurate words. Yeah. I'm not going to argue with them. <laughs> it's not for you to say. So Reign of the Fox was going to be my new summer homework. Okay. But I started reading it. You couldn't wait. I couldn't put it down. Really? It's so good. So wait, this is the, you said the main story. Yeah. So this is this um, plot you outlined before. Yes. It gets called before exactly. the king. Yeah. The, yeah. Okay. And it's a page turner. Absolute page turner. Yeah. Honest to God. So good. Yeah. The idea of the trickster fox character goes way back, all the way back to ancient Greece. A cunning fox is found in Aesop's fables, mm-hmm. which were written around the 4th, 5th centuries BC. Yeah. Not quite as old as the Odyssey, but, you know, quite old. Yeah. In particular, there's a fable called The Fox and the Lion, where we see some fine foxy work, I hear. We've read that, have we not? No, Adam. What? I'd like to request, can we please have The Fox and the Lion in our next Grim Fables, please? I'll consider it. Oh, you tease. <laughs> I mean, you're also welcome to, to plug our, our Patreon right now, Adam. This is that a, is a good uh, segue. Smoothly done, wasn't it? So Matt is, of course, referring to Grim Fables, our patron-only podcast where we... Um, Come on, elevator pitch. Come on, Adam. Come on, we... we what do we do? We read uh, Aesop's <laughs> fables and we uh, talk about them and compare them. And, uh, and how, how can I become a patron? That sounds amazing. By going to our Patreon, which is... That makes sense. It is HTTPS. We've never read our full website address on the podcast before. It is patreon.com slash grimreading. And if you are a... If you are a fox or above, you will have access to... The monthly podcast that is Grim Fables, and okay, I will consider that for April 2022 Grim Fables. Um, but yes, let's oh, do it. that was exhausting. Right. That was exhausting, wasn't it? No, Don't it was get good, no, 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 things. really good. I can't do it. You've got a career in advertising <laughs> ahead of you, right? So the idea of the tricky fox goes way back, all the way back then. Mm-hmm. But specifically, Reynard the fox, the character who became this staple of medieval European literature, he first appears by name. In a poem in 1148 AD. It was written in Latin, but I think in like the Low Countries in Belgium or the Netherlands. He then increasingly pops up in the written record in France and in Germany. But the main canonical story, that one set at the court, really forms in a Flemish version, which was written by a chap called Willem in around 1250 AD. Reynard eventually trickles into England thereafter. Firstly, he pops up in Geoffrey Chaucer's Canterbury Tales from the 14th century. We get a fox and a chicken story, uh, which is taken from the Reynard cycle. I've, I've said quite a lot of this before in our fox quadrilogy, yeah. so that might ring a few that bells. That does ring a bell. But in the 15th century, a man called William Caxton first translated into English the entire Flemish version, the sort of complete version, and he called it The History of Reynard the Fox. And it was a massive hit, remaining in print for the next few centuries. Whoa. So just to illustrate the influence of Reynard the Fox, in Romeo and Juliet, Shakespeare calls one of his characters Tybalt, which is the name of the cat in Reynard's story. And this was a self-conscious reference, and audiences would have got that reference. Right. Because Reynard and that story was a big deal back then. Yeah. Good cat name? I think it's good. I want to know more about the cat. From what I, so I'm about, I'm about halfway through okay. the Reign of the Fox book. 
he gets in a lot of trouble. <laughs> Reynard really does a number on the cat. Oh no! Yeah, yeah. In the very like beginning of the story, he gets the cat's like eye gouged out. No. Yeah, and like yeah, he tricks him into like getting caught by the local villagers who beat him so furiously his eye like explodes or something it's awful matt this is really making me sad (laughs) and he has to wear a little cat eye patch oh yeah (laughs) this sounds like tom and jerry so are you with me is it all making sense (laughs) i'm with you matt so that william caxton the guy who translated the full reynard story into english he was an interesting chap he established the first ever british printing press in westminster after he'd visited a certain gutenberg in Cologne, mm. and learned how to use his new printing machine, the Gutenberg Press. Wow. You heard of that? I have heard of that. Of course that. you have. Of course I have. <laughs> I did, genuinely didn't realise, though, that it was um, a form that you could, like, buy and take yeah. elsewhere. I thought it was, like, the Gutenberg printing press, no, a big yeah. press in a room. I mean, I don't know much about it, but I know that Caxton, so he went to Cologne, and he, he printed the first ever book printed in English, I think it might have been the uh, Canterbury Tales, as well as the most influential King Arthur book, Mort de Arthur, and his own translation of Reynard the Fox. Kind of incredible. Amazing. And what's also amazing is that all of these stories were hugely influential, but for some reason we still know of King Arthur and Chaucer, but yeah. Reynard the Fox has disappeared from our yeah. common popular imagination. For the most part, that is, because he's not a household name mm. anymore, but he kind of lives on in characters like the fantastic Mr. Fox from yep. Roldor. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Todd in Beatrix Potter. Uh, yeah, of course. Amazingly, I think you're going to love this, Adam. You know the Disney Robin Hood film? With yes. the, like, anthropomorphic, devastatingly charming fox? Yeah, absolutely. Originally, Walt Disney was planning to make a Reynard the Fox animation. But it was abandoned because Reynard was deemed too amoral and anarchic mm. and grown up. So they abandoned the project, but one animator recycled some early Reynard drawings and pitched an animal-based Robin Hood film. Wow. And that's why we have the Robin Hood Fox. Which has a much stronger moral compass as a film. <laughs> yes. Literally about, yeah, right and wrong. Wow. Isn't that mad? I mean, kind of... Amazing, but kind of sad in a way that we didn't get the Disney Reign of the Fox film. And that kind of answers the question that probably nobody had. But if you think about it, <laughs> yeah. why do they make a Fox Robin Hood? Yeah, it doesn't really doesn't make, make sense, sense, does it? But now it makes sense. Yeah, because Little John was a bear, right? Yes. Yeah. And the, the king was a lion as well. Of course, of course. It's a court of animals. Yeah. So it really is taking inspiration from the Reign of the Fox story. Wow. Isn't that mad? That's so cool. We're nearly there. We're nearly there with reintroducing Reynard. <laughs> well, you, da- you, uh, you dangled some uh, stories in front of me and now you're... Uh, is it like sort of I've got to eat my greens before I can have my pudding? <laughs> is it like that? Yeah, in a way, yeah. I dangled some, some exciting yeah. stories. Ooh. Oh, now you need some history first, Adam. <laughs> and your big plate of broccoli just landed yes. in front of me, yeah. What date, Adam, did the first Reign of the Fox story come out? I don't know. I just want the stories. (laughs) It wasn't only uh, Walt Disney who was a fan Mm -hmm. of Reynard. Okay. As I've mentioned before as well, a lot of this I've mentioned before. (laughs) It's a reintroduction. Yeah, we've heard it all before. Jacob Grimm of the Brothers Grimm fame. Yeah, you've mentioned him before. He absolutely loved Reynard. After the fall of Napoleon, Adam, Jacob Grimm went on a trip to Paris in 1813, tasked with recovering the stolen treasures from his home region and city. But while he was there, he used his free time to visit the National Library, where he copied out an early medieval version of Reign of the Fox. And then over the next few decades, he collected lots of versions and stories and eventually published his own book, on Reynard the Fox, called, I believe, Reynard the Fox. Okay. In 1834. Wow. Which Jacob declared to be one of his best works. Wow. So that might also explain why this story holds such an important position Mm. as the last one in the collection. Sure. Jacob was a sucker for the fox. Yeah. As are we, I think. Oh, yeah, we love the fox. We love Reynard. We love him. (laughs) 
So as mentioned, I've Adam, I found two more stories where things don't entirely go Rainer's way. He gets a little bit outfoxed. Uh-huh. The fox gets outfoxed, shall we say. Well, this is good to hear after what you just told me about what he did to that cat. Yeah, well, okay, well, um, you're going to enjoy this um, then. Yeah, yeah, I'm right. so ready. Well, as I say, we've got, I've got two more stories. Okay. That's quite nuts. So should we just like, let's power through them. Let's just do it. Let's power through them. Okay, so first it. up, let's see the hare turn the tables on the fox. The hare and the fox. A hare and a fox were traveling together. It was winter time. Nothing green was growing and neither mice nor lice were creeping afield. Lice? There's no lice anywhere. <laughs> Why would the lice be in the field? <laughs> We've fallen at the first hurdle. <laughs> Told you we need to power through these. Okay, okay. This is hungry weather, said the fox to the hare. My insides are all knotted together. Yes, indeed, answered the hare. There are hard times everywhere. I would eat my own ears if I could get them into my mouth. <laughs> an amazing image. <laughs> it probably could as well, if any yeah, animal could. Yeah, it definitely could. could. If anyone could, it's a hare. Thus they marched hungrily onward together. Then, in the distance, they saw a peasant girl approaching them. She was carrying a basket, and the fox and the hare sensed a pleasant smell coming from the basket. Mm-hmm. The smell of fresh bread rolls. Oh. Do you know what? said the fox. Lie down and pretend to be dead. The girl will set her basket down and pick you up for your poor pelt because hair pelts can be made into gloves. Meanwhile, I'll make off with the basket of rolls, all for our benefit. The hare did what the fox suggested. Are you up to speed with the yeah, plan? Right? Yeah, yeah, you got it, you got it. So the hare's done it. He fell down, pretended to be dead. The fox hid behind a snowdrift. The girl came and saw the hare. She set down the basket and bent over the hare. The fox quickly snatched up the basket and ran off across the field. Sneaky. The hare immediately came to life and hurried after his companion. However... The fox showed no sign of sharing the rolls, Mm. but instead made it clear that he intended to eat all of them by himself. This did not please the hare at all. So that's that's happened. Hare's unhappy. Yeah, I can see that. See that coming. Yeah. Trust Rainer to uh, stab his hare friend in the back. Well, after that episode, at one point, the two of them were approaching a small pond, and the hare said to the fox, Why don't we catch some fish for our meal? Then we could have fish with white bread, just like grand gentlemen. Just lower your tail into the water, and then the fish, who themselves don't have much to eat these days, will grab onto it. <laughs> but you better hurry before the pond freezes over. The fox thought that this was a good plan. So he went to the pond, which was just about to freeze over, Whoa. and hung his tail into the water. In a short time, the fox's tail was frozen tightly in the ice. Then the hare took the basket of rolls and slowly ate them, one after the other, before the fox's eyes. Yeah, fox. (laughs) How do you like that? (laughs) Finally, he said to the fox, Just wait until it thaws. Just wait until springtime. Just wait until it thaws. And then he ran away, leaving the fox yelping after him, yelping like an angry dog on a chain. The end. Whoa. (laughs) Whoa. Genius. Defeated. Yeah. <laughs> is that like defeated? It's like um, the things that pop up at the end of, is it Mortal Kombat? Mortal Kombat, yeah. Like, no, hair no. wins. <laughs> he um, absolutely got the better of him. Yeah. Done him, done him over. Yeah. Yeah. I like the idea that the pond is oh, just about yeah, to freeze. Yeah. Just about to freeze. Yeah, otherwise he'd be waiting there a long time. Yeah, the hare's like, no, 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 just don't take your tail out yet. Just no, wait another few hours. Stay there, stay there. I love the fact that he didn't wait for the uh, Rainer to be stuck and then make off with the bread rolls. He stays and yeah. eats them one by one in front of him. Genius. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's brutal. And we saw Rainer sort of tricking him first, so that yeah. it kind of it felt like a come up. Yeah, exactly. And he used his greed against him because he's like, well, we've got the bread rolls, but we want the fish as well. Yeah. He didn't have to go for that plan, but couldn't yeah. help himself. That was great. I loved it. I'm so glad. If you'd like more where that came from, Adam, that was a German story, another German story. Mm. Uh, but this time taken from a book called Deutsch uh, Merkenbuch by Ludwig Beckstein, which was first published in 1845. Now, Beckstein kind of took up the fairy tale mantle from the Grimm's. Mm-hmm. His Markenbuch, which 
contains that story was even more popular than the Grimm's fairy tales when it first went on sale. Oh, wow. Uh, that's according to one source. I'm not sure how trustworthy that is, <laughs> but he was a big deal. He was known in Germany. Yeah. And therefore, this story would have been known as well. Yeah. Uh, this is a type of narrative, the hare and the fox, known as the tail fisher. So the tail fisher, that's kind of self-explanatory, yeah. right? And actually, often in stories of this type, oral folk stories, the fox is the one doing the tricking. Mm. Mm. There's other animals' tails in the water. And often it ends with, and that's why a bear, or indeed a hare, has a stumpy tail, because the fox has tricked them. Genius. I was about to point this out. I was going to say, well, it wouldn't be the hare, because they can't lower the tail in. They, unless, hey, unless they used to have long tails. I love it. Ah, oh, I'm so glad. Shall we have another one? Please. Okay, final story. I'll tell you what this one is first before we read it. So okay. this is taken from Alexander Afanasyev's uh, Russian fairy tales or Slavic fairy tales, which is from the mid 1800s. Uh, it's a book you got me a few Christmases ago. Yeah. Now, when you got it for me, I. Flicked quickly through the index, just marveling at the story titles. Yeah. And one story title immediately caught my eye. I had to read it. And I have been waiting ever since for the right Rainer-esque moment to tell you this Excellent. insane story. Beasts in a pit. A pig was on his way to Pitta to pray to God. Pitta means St. Petersburg. It's shorthand. Ah, right. Mm. Oh, it's delicious Greek bread. Mm. He met a wolf. Pig, pig, where are you going? To Pitta, to pray to God. Take me with you. Come along, neighbour. They walked and walked and met a fox. Pig, pig, where are you going? To Pitta, to pray to God. Take me with you too. Come along, neighbour. They walked and met a hare. <laughs> pig, pig, where are you going? To Pitta, to pray to God. Take me with you. Come along, slant eyes. <laughs> What? <laughs> what is indeed is a very appropriate response. <laughs> then a squirrel joined them and they walked and walked. <laughs> I didn't say anything. <laughs> no, that's it. Just like, <gasps> and carry on. Oh, I love it. At last, they came to a ditch in the road, a ditch wide and deep. The pig jumped and fell into the ditch. <laughs> <laughs> and after her... <laughs> And after her, the wolf, the fox, the hare, and the squirrel all fell in. <laughs> so it's like lemmings. All the beasts are in a pit. Brilliant. They sat there for a long time and were very hungry, but there was nothing to eat. Then the fox thought up a plan. Hmm. Let us, said she, try out our own voices. Whichever of us sings in the thinnest voice, him we shall eat. The wolf began in a rough, ooh, ooh, ooh. The pig sang in a slightly softer, ooh, ooh, ooh. Sounded like a monkey. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't wait for the rest of the so excited. How do, how do you do a pig singing? <laughs> oh, that was good. <laughs> <laughs> what is this is on? the best game ever. Can we just stop the podcast and do this? The fox sang still more softly. <laughs> and the hare and the squirrel piped in a thin voice. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> the bigger beast at once tore the hare and the squirrel to pieces and gobbled them down to the last bone. No. The next day, the fox said again, whoever sings in the roughest voice, him we shall eat. The wolf sang in the roughest voice. Oh, 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 answered the monkey. <laughs> oh, 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 and was eaten up. The fox ate the flesh, but hid the entrails under herself. After about three days, she began to eat the entrails. The pig asked her, What are you eating, neighbour? Give me some. Hey, pig, I'm pulling out my own bowels. Tear your belly open too. Pull out your bowels and eat of them. The pig did this. He tore his belly open, and the fox had him for dinner. So the fox remained all alone in the ditch, and whether she finally climbed out or is still there, I really cannot say the end.
I thought the fox is going to get his comeuppance. <laughs> no, again, it's a little bit like the fox and the geese. It's kind of unfinished. So we, we can assume it doesn't mm. manage to get out, but we don't know. I found an amazing comic strip of this someone illustrated. And then it kind of ended like, and the fox was there. And we don't know what happened. And it's yeah. just like pictures of the hole through different seasons, uh, like winter nice. and summer. And it's quite cool. That's cool. Yeah. Maybe we can share that. But yeah, what a nuts tale. Mental. Quite unpleasant. Well, it is. A, a, a bit basically ending with the fox convincing the pig to disembowel itself. Yeah. But quite a good trick, isn't it? I mean, it's clever. Yeah. Yeah. By pulling it out from under. Using the wolf's entrails. Yeah. <laughs> I don't it just looks not disturbed. At any point, think, that doesn't seem like that would work. <laughs> oh, Okay. Oh, okay. I mean, thinking about it, it might have worked better if the last animal was the wolf because you'd think the wolf's the one who's going to eat the fox. Top, top so dog. if the fox had tricked the wolf, yeah, that would have made you sympathise more with the fox. Yeah. But because it's the pig who he could have, you know... Dispatched with. Anyway. Yeah. But in a way, it kind of makes it even more bleak and dastardly, yeah. which we do like about that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. With the fox. And the fact, it's interesting that it's the pig that instigates the whole thing, isn't it? Yeah. It's so random. I'm going to pitter. Yeah. To pray to God. And the fox is just one of the animals. Yeah, that's true. I don't think we've ever had a pig leading a story. No. There was a pig in a wheelbarrow in episode one. There was a pig in a wheelbarrow. That was weird. The one. That's true. That was really weird. That is true. So we've been bookended with pigs. <laughs> that's a, yep. <laughs> Uh, and I w- would also comment on the fact that really, out of all those animals, animal with the best meat on it would be the uh, the pig. Yeah, that's true, actually. Maybe that's what's going on there. Yeah. I think I just love the title, Beasts in a Pit. Beasts in a Pit. It's just so dark. Yeah, it really is. Beasts in, in a, a pit. pit. Snakes on a plane. <laughs> <laughs> it's very much the snakes on a plane of the folktale. It really is. Oh dear. Well, there you go. There's your two stories. I loved it. Of rain again. It's come up. And oh, fantastic. There's just one last thing before we move on to the scores now, Adam. Okay. Welcome to Fox News. <laughs> so official. Some alarming Fox News out of Japan this month, Adam. Are you aware of this? Do you know? <laughs> the newsreader doesn't normally stop and like, ask me, am I aware of this? Um, <laughs> Are you aware? Guys, you really, do you know this? <laughs> um, I may have heard rumblings, mm. but tell me. Well, two people mm. on Twitter got in touch with us recently sharing the same tweets, which contains some potentially very troubling news about a kitsune. <gasps> What's happened? Well, here at Grim Reading, we're well acquainted with the shape-shifting fox spirits of East Asian folk culture, in particular the kitsune of Japan, which is often depicted with nine tails. Yes. Like the Pokemon. <laughs> so it's a kind of an integral part of uh, Japanese uh, sort yeah. of folklore. The tweet we were alerted to goes as follows. It's from uh, Nick Kapoor. The Sesho Seki, a famous rock in Nasu, Japan, that was said to have imprisoned the evil nine-tailed fox demoness Tamamonome was found broken in half. Mm. After nearly 1,000 years, the demon vixen is presumably once again on the loose. That's scary. This was shared with us uh, from uh, Mark in a Cold Climate, who wrote Nine-Tailed Fox News, and also uh, Susan Jones, who said, uh-oh. Yeah, uh-oh indeed. Uh-oh indeed. So this lit up Japanese Twitter in March of this year. Yeah. Essentially, the stone imprisoning an evil kitsune has broken in half. I'm worried, Matt. How do I uh, protect myself? <laughs> well, does the name Tamamo Nome ring a bell at all? No. Well, amazingly, I told you about yeah. Tamamo Nome in the Fox Quadrilogy when I introduced the kitsune to us. Matt, you told me a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even remember, don't worry. <laughs> So shall I shall I refresh our memory? Please do. Okay, so Tamamo was a fox spirit, a kitsune, with nine tails. Yeah. So like well powerful. Yeah. 
So throughout history, Tamamo routinely transformed into a beautiful woman and became a concubine to rulers where she made them perform wicked acts and caused the downfall of dynasties. She then went to ground for a while before becoming the favored courtesan of uh, a Japanese emperor. However, she plotted to overthrow him and take his throne. He then became increasingly ill mm. and uh, his astronomer, sort of trying to figure out what was wrong with the emperor, realized what was going on and he pointed his finger at Tamamo, exposing her as a kitsune. Uh-oh. The emperor then dispatched two samurai to kill the kitsune. Whoa. They chased her to the stone where her spirit was entrapped. Right. And since then, legend has it that anyone who touches the stone will die. Which is true. Because <laughs> anyone that touches it, and indeed anyone that doesn't touch it, will, I'm afraid, die. <laughs> that's, that's true. It is technically, technically true. true. So what are we thinking then? That the spirit has broken its way out of the well, rock? Well, who knows? All we know is that in March of this year, that stone broke in two. Hmm. And many have speculated that Tamamo Nome is now once again on the loose. Uh, but a local tourism provider has tried to put a positive spin on things. <laughs> wow, okay. They claimed that this was an auspicious foretoken and argued that Tamamo might tame the coronavirus and the current world situation. Okay, well, I was going to say, if ever there's a time where you uh, don't want a sort of malevolent <laughs> spirit unleashed upon the world, yeah. uh, wreaking havoc with sort of geopolitics, it would be now. So, yeah, as I say, this completely lit up Japanese Twitter, oh. and some Western news outlets picked up on it as well. The Guardian had a headline, Japan's killing stone splits in two, releasing superstitions amid the sulfur springs. And the New York Times went with, a killing stone broke in Japan. Is a demon on the loose? <laughs> Good. <laughs> Good question. So, people, just be cautious. Okay. I'm not uh, going to be lowering the drawbridge of the castle for most people. I need to know you before I... Because I'm... Well, that's I'm it. I'm not going to risk it. not going to risk it. Check for tails. Yep. That's a good uh, bit of safety good advice. Yeah. Avoid extremely attractive women. Yep. You know, unless you've known them pre-March, in which case it's unlikely they're Tamamo Nome. True. But I'd say, especially in the Tochigi Prefecture in Japan, just if you're there, yeah, just remain Be very careful. Okay. Although it sounds like she can travel anywhere. So I think nobody's safe. No. Well, thanks for listening to Fox News. <laughs> well, I've also got um, geese news, but I think it's time we we got to just let that go. We'll we'll relegate that to grim fables okay. as well. I've got some geese news for you. Oh, goose, news. goose news, goose news, goose news, <laughs> goose news, goose news. You lured. <laughs> okay, I think we're going insane. Yep. Let's quickly give our scores before we get Absolutely. totally mad. So this is the part of the show where we each give a score out of ten for a maximum possible of twenty mm. points. Mm-hmm. Um. And, and it's a tricky one it really is a tricky one well I mean it might not be for you but it's just tricky because it's a short one which yeah. we wrestled with in the last episode yeah, as we well did. it's hard to score the uh, the short ones and it's for the fox and the goose I'd just like to say that's what we're scoring yeah we've well, heard different stories the thing is it's so short and it doesn't have an end which I know is the point hmm but it's, it's going to lose points for that, I'm afraid. Okay. So you, you don't like the Brothers Grimm's little clever flourish at the end of their collection? Well, okay, let me put it this way. And if um, if a, a story was told to you mm. and it ended like that and it said mm. to be continued yeah, yeah. at the end, yeah. oh, you're on the hook. And then it's just never continued. Would that annoy you? That's a very loaded question. Yeah, it's a little bit loaded. Right, let me put it to you like this. <laughs> so you've been down the local music depository. I don't even know what that is. And you've bought a, a double album, CD album, right? Oh, yeah. Of your favourite band. And you put Excellent. on the first CD. And you've listened to it all the way through. Disc one, yeah. And the final song, you're loving it, it's great. But it doesn't sort of end with a smooth cadence it just they just start just jamming out. no it fades out it fades out gently so it's unfinished but does it fade it, out gently halfway through a chorus yes 
Well, that's weird. It is weird. It is weird. But it's happened. Now, do you then think, I'm annoyed? Or do you think, oh, I can't wait to hear the next disc? Yes. No, no, no. But that's a good analogy because I would then hear the next disc and that song wouldn't be completed. And I'd go, what? <laughs> and I'd be disappointed all over again. Touche. Hmm. All right. I don't think I can rescue this one for you then. No. I'm going to give it a 4.5. Okay. It's not that bad, really. No, I'm surprised. I thought you'd go lower. I think 4.5 is fair. It's intriguing. Mm. It's making me wonder what is going to happen next. What is the fate of the geese? Does the fox give up? <laughs> but that's the trouble. These are just mm. questions with no answers. Okay. And that's a yeah. fool's errand. Yeah. So why aren't you going lower then? Because you haven't said any redeeming quality. Uh, No, I haven't ever... I was just too scared to go I'm too low. I'm emboldening you. I'm if you want to go low... Okay, 3.5. Seriously. No, 3.5. I'm going to be bold. Adam, yes. This is my year. <laughs> this is my year. This is my time. <laughs> and I'm saying 3.5, which is, I'm aware, the lowest score I've ever given on a <gasps> podcast. 3.5. Adam's given his lowest score. Yeah. Amazing. Well, you know, I think... There's maybe been one sub five score this whole series, so it's mm. probably time we uh, doled out some less than fives. I think so. I mean, unless you've got a totally different take on the story to me. I think I might do. Mm. I think I love the fox. Yeah. I love that we're both wearing orange. <laughs> That's amazing. Foxy colors. <laughs> Literally both wearing orange <laughs> tops. Mine on purpose, Adam's. <laughs> By beautiful happenstance. Absolutely. I love Raynard. He's great. But not only do we get Raynard with the fox, which would be enough on its own, we've also learned about the whole world of the Kitsune and the Gumiho, I think, in Korea. Yeah. There's another name for them in China. So you, you get a, a lot of bang for your buck with the fox in, in folklore. You do. Yeah. You do. <laughs> but what I would say to that, Matt, is mm. I get it. You love the fox. Yeah, I love the fox. Mm. But don't forget you are specifically scoring okay. this story and yeah, you're right. you've got to think, where does this sit compared to some of the other Fox stories you've heard? All right, I won't give it a 10 then. <laughs> I was thinking about a five. Okay. Because you That's know what? I like the the little cheeky way that they're signing off the, the first volume yeah. of the Brothers Grimm's fairy tales. And just to make, make absolutely clear, there's a second volume and also we're not reading the stories in order. So we've still got right. more episodes. To oh, come. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I'm thinking five. I'm going to go five. Yeah, going you've five. convinced me. So that is a total of 8.5 out of 20. That is a sub 10 score. Oh. It doesn't happen very often at all. Gowses. How do you feel about that? A bit sad for Reynard. Yeah. Well, the thi- a yeah. bit worried about Tamamo Nome. I mean, so I think you're, the way you feel about Reynard is the way I feel about Chanticleer, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not a... A character you identify with on a moral standpoint, but you just love that character. Yeah, you're just happy to yeah. spend time with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so I get your attachment. Yeah, I, I get it. I'd say Reynard is probably now getting up there for joint first wow. of my favourite characters. Joint with death. <laughs> <laughs> I've said it so many times as well, and you still don't I can't remember. <laughs> I just love that your favourite character is death. It's Matt. Matt is Matt. Okay. <laughs> I don't know who you are. Who's a strange man in my castle? Um, I'm not leaving. It's been emotional. It's been very foxy. It's been exceptionally foxy. But there is one thing left to do, and that is to give a shout-out to some more patrons. Indeed it is. And actually, this will finally catch us up with all our patron shout-outs. We'll be right up to date. Indeed. That's good. That's right where we like to be. But without further ado... We would like to extend a very warm thank you to E-Tuck, Kate, Jenna, W.G. Hayes, Oliver Branchflower, David, and Kayla Stans. Thank you very, very much for your support. Thank you all very much. Thanks to all of our patrons. It really means the world to us. It really does. We love having you here at Grim Castle. We do. And also, our, our most popular tier is Fox tier. So that's very appropriate, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
we've got a fair amount of stuff coming up for our patrons, I think it's fair to say, in the oh, coming yeah. sort of months and the rest of the year. So, yeah, um, yeah we'll be sharing more of that probably uh, soon on Grim Reading because we're getting towards the end of the series. We are indeed. It's a bittersweet thing, isn't it? It's a yeah. mix of emotions. Two more stories to go. Wow. Well, what have we got next time then? The penultimate episode. The penultimate story, I should say, of the series is going to be Little Brother and Little Sister. Amazing. The patron chosen story. Yes, thank you patrons for voting on that one. Well, I mean, you haven't heard it yet. You might hate it. Yeah, true. uh, I'll reserve my judgment, but I'm excited. And um, Good. Me too. I'll see you then. Stay safe, Matt. I will. Be I on will. The lookout. Oh, I will. Yeah, it's uh, look out for pits and shape shifting fox demonesses and yeah. uh, nasty rainers. But also, I'd also like to say, everybody, just keep a, keep an eye out for geese because they're terrifying. Oh, they're absolutely terrifying. So I'll be swerving geese on the way home. Geese, foxes, the whole lot. Whew, it's a crazy world out there. <sighs> Send a, send a pigeon when you get home safely. I will. Yeah. Well, I look forward to joining you here around the fire soon. But until then, keep it grim. Keep it grim. Bye. Bye. If you'd like to support the podcast, please head over to patreon.com slash grimreading to find out how and also see the range of benefits available as a thank you from us. You can, of course, email us at grimreadingpodcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at grimreadingpod. And we're also on Instagram and Facebook at Grim Reading. You can find us on Podbean, podbean.com slash grimreading. And we also have a website, grimreading.wordpress.com. Keep it grim. <laughs>